welcome to the Dungeons & Dragons podcast. This is Trevor Kidd and Shelly Mazanoble as your hosts, and today joining us we have Chris Tulak. Hi, Chris. Hi, Shelly. Hi, Trevor. How are you doing? <laughs> we are all robots now. Yes. Um, let us continue to talk. <laughs> That's the secret like the about Chris do. Tulak. This is how he gets so much done. Yep. Yes. He's a robot. Just like everybody named Chris in our company. And Chris Perkins is also a robot, yep. so we're good. That's how we differentiate between the robots <laughs> and the humans. Yes, indeed. Chris Tulak, it's good to have you here. Thanks. Um, you are the D&D Organized Play Program Manager. Right. And so um, we're, we want to talk to you today about all of the cool changes with Dungeons & Dragons Organized Play and the D&D Adventurers League. But first, leaning into that, I want to talk about Gen Con. Okay, let's Something do it. Something really, really awesome about Gen Con. Something really, really awesome about Gen Con is that I got to play a lot, so uh, that was cool. There was, well, there was a lot that was awesome about Gen Con, but one of my, my favorite things about Gen Con is the day before the show opened, I walked into Hall D, and I saw those amazing faction banners hanging from the rafters. Yeah, the those were five beautiful. factions. And my very first thought when I walked in, I was like, literally took my breath away, because just to see them, they were huge and they were awesome. And I thought, oh my God, I bet. Chris Tulak burst out crying when he saw this. <laughs> they were super impressive. I mean, I came in uh, on Wednesday to do setup, and the faction banners were just hit you in the face right away. They yeah. were just, the colors were amazing. They looked great. The design was awesome. And um, our in-house team, as well as the sightlines team that designed them, they worked. You know, they did. Just did a great I mean, job. You walked in there and you just yeah. felt like, oh, something's happening here. Something really big right. is is going to happen here. And I just know because I, we sit right next to each other and we work together a lot. But I know how much work you you put into the factions and and how they were going to influence organized play. And it's just it was really cool just to see like literally your vision kind of rising in, into the rafters. And I took more pictures of those faction banners, I think, <laughs> than I have of my son. So and if you haven't seen that. <laughs> I don't believe that. That's not possible. Yeah, I don't believe that. It's close. <laughs> um, they, we do have pictures of those on our Tumblr blog, and I'm sure they're on our Facebook page somewhere. But anyway, I just I have to know, did you cry? Did you get a little teary-eyed when you just saw it? Just a little misty. He missed it a little bit. That's what it is. <laughs> but no, but it's, it's amazing to see your work yeah. you know, translated into something that's real. Yeah. And I, I think this happens a lot. For the R&D guys, when they work on a project too, like a book, right? you know, and you see the player's handbook in your hands for the first time. It's the same kind of feeling too. When you see those faction banners hanging up in the hall, you're like, okay, this idea of the factions is actually materialized. Yeah. Right? It's, it's kind of finally here. And it seemed like people really gravitated to it, uh, oh, yes. which we'll talk about a little bit later on, but it was cool to see like people instantly identified with a faction. I think like... People really knew right away, like, I'm this faction or I'm this faction. So anyway, very cool. Kudos to you on that. Why, yeah. thank you. And for everybody out there who may not know exactly what we're talking about when we say these factions, uh, they're actually a, a big player part of the Adventurers League. So that's a good segue for us. That is. Uh, what, like, so the Adventurers League is what we call you know, our organized play. Chris is part of organized play. What that means is uh, you get to play at events and stores and stuff like that. And we set, we, we create that content for you. Uh, Chris can talk about those guys too. And uh, basically you get to sit down and play a D&D game with as, as little effort as possible, uh, having, having to be put in on your part. But uh, as far as all that goes, uh, what do you want to tell us about the Adventurers League? Like how much has OP changed and what's going on with the Adventurers League now? Well, so the idea here was we took 
what R&D was doing with the game itself, with the 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons, where they were kind of looking at past editions of the game, they were using that to sort of influence what the, what the game was going to be and would become, and then take the player feedback, take the DM feedback, and incorporate that and keep iterating on the game. So we did kind of a similar process for organized play. When we look back and we look back at all the organized play programs that had existed all the way since the early 80s uh, to now, and the D&D Adventures League was sort of the, the, uh, you know, the final product of that, right, of that search. And, and uh, we went through, we kind of said, hey, what worked before? What didn't work before? And uh, how can we make something that is going to resonate with players and um, make them feel like they want to continue to play and play as deep as they want to go um, while still being accessible if you're new and you want to jump in, you know, for the first time, you know, no matter when, uh, you know, you wind up at a store or at a convention. So, so D&D Encounters is still a really great program for somebody who's just looking for a very casual game or is trying to find a new group to play or you can just jump in yeah, anytime. We, yeah, we still have D&D Encounters. That's still a program that uh, that exists. We just kind of tweaked it a little bit uh, for its uh, new version in, as part of the D&D Adventures League. And effectively what we're talking about here is when we say D&D Adventures League, that's just sort of the code name for D&D Organized Play, mm-hmm. right? So it's sort of the name that we give the system by which people play D&D, right? Um, and organized play, to give you kind of a quick definition, what that really is, is it's we're talking about in-person public play for the most part. That's uh, really the heart of organized play. So we're talking about stores, we're talking about conventions, and we're talking about other public events that might be run by uh, independent organizers. Yeah. That's really that's really public play. Can you speak a little bit more about what, what you mean, though, by public play? Like, what, what would, if I play at my local library, does that count as... Public yeah, play? that would be considered public play. Okay. I mean, any any time in which uh, you have uh, a game or an event that is accessible to the public, um, that anybody can join, um, that's really what we're looking at. So, okay. you know, a store, for example, you know, would definitely have uh, public play because usually every week they'll be running like D&D Encounters in their store, and that's just open for anyone to participate in. Um, if you happen to be associated with like a library or a community center or something like that, and you wanted to have a, a public event, that's also organized play. That's something that we'll support. And then, of course, if you're a convention organizer, uh, we'll support you too as well. The big difference between uh, um, where the support uh, lies officially from Wizards and how what you get is that um, if you're an independent organizer, um, we prefer that you partner with a store because if you partner with a store, we have a way to actually ship materials to that store location and uh, allow for the experience to be enhanced by the materials. Um, if you're a store, that's all part of your, your store process as you sign up for programs and, uh, and get your games on the schedule every month. But that's basically, that's basically the, 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 the you know, long and short of it. So if, um, I mean, I could play D&D at my house with my friends. You could. I could. but That's cool. That's, that's great. And that's great. I love it. Right. But what would you say, what are the benefits if I play it in the yeah, store? Yeah, why should I play in the store instead of playing with my buddies at home? So, yeah, that's a really great question. And the thing is, right, getting people outside of their home, right, where they're comfortable and where they're happy playing D&D in their, in their more intimate environment um, is certainly, um, you know, a challenge, right, from time to time. And why would I? Why would I leave my, my home? Uh, well, a couple of things. The first thing is that um, by participating in our D&D Adventures League uh, program, so like D&D Encounters, D&D Expeditions, and D&D Epics, um, 
what you're doing is you're actually kind of engaging in a bigger community. So you're sharing in a story that uh, all of you can kind of tell together, right? So when I participate in uh, an event at a store or at a convention, what I'm doing is I'm engaging in a game that other people are playing too, and we have this shared experience now. When I sit down and I play at home, and then I go talk to another guy that played at a different home game, and we have a conversation about our D&D campaigns, there's going to be obviously some you know, familiarity and shared experience, but very little, right? Because your dungeon master and my dungeon master might be running completely different things, right? My dungeon master might want more of a science fantasy game and your dungeon master might want a gothic horror game, right? And so we've created these whole two different D&D experiences. Whereas with the organized play stuff through D&D Adventures League, what you're doing is you're talking about a shared experience where we can sit down and have a conversation about, well, what did your character do in Defiance and Falan? Well, what did my character do in Defiance and Falan? And there's just more of a connection you can have with somebody that's completely and totally, you know, on the other side of the world, right? And that's one of the big strengths uh, for D&D organized play, one of the reasons why you want to get out in public. The other thing, the other really big thing, is that when you get out in the public and you play with other people, play with people outside of your gaming group, uh, what you do is you learn so much more about the game and about people's play styles and about what people like and don't like about the game um, than you would learn from your home group, right? Your home group is going to have their own tastes and their own preferences, and that's all going to be influenced on your group, right? You know, you might uh, select to play with people that are really beer and pretzels, casual D&D players, right, that just kind of want to you know, show up after work and they want to just kill some orcs, right, every week. But maybe you really have a yearning to like, to like learn a little bit more about like the like deep role-playing nuances of the game, right? And maybe you're not getting that from your group. Or maybe your group is the opposite. Maybe, you know, maybe you do want, you know, an opportunity to be like really tactical with your game and your group is, is mostly in theater of the mind kind of play. Well, what you're doing is by going out and playing an organized play out in the public, uh, you're getting an opportunity to engage with a lot of these people that bring all these different play styles and, and their different backgrounds to the gaming table. And that allows you to learn from the game so much more than you would if you're just playing at home. And you, there's also certain things that you yeah. might get in your... Loot, Chris. Oh, loot. loot. Well, sure. When we're okay. kind of interested in the treasure oh, here. That's all fine Fat and good. Epics. But yeah, so tell us about the treasure. Sure. So... Uh, in uh, D&D Organized Play, uh, you create your own character, but then the cool thing is is that you get to take your character pretty much anywhere that D&D Adventures League content is available for you. The only thing that really differentiates you know, whether or not you can play in this adventure or that adventure is, is my character the appropriate level for the adventure? Right. Otherwise, yeah, go ahead and play it, right? And the neat thing is that uh, when you play in those adventures, uh, you'll get treasure, you'll get, uh, you'll get magic items occasionally. Um, and those magic items and treasure and your experience and everything else that you earn, um, that just transfers from game to game to game to game, right? You just basically log it on a little log sheet that you carry around with your character. It kind of is an adjunct to your character sheet. And you just have an official record of your character's play. And that's great because it allows you to kind of continue to play that character in sort of a campaign style without having to necessarily worry about getting the same group of people together every week and you know with all of our hectic busy schedules sometimes that's not possible here you can be at an event one week and then the next week you can go to a completely different event and you can continue to play your character so your character brings the campaign with them oh very cool 
So speaking of going from one place to another, uh, so you've, we've talked about encounters. That's kind of a very specific, kind of a smaller intro thing, right? Yeah, a little um, bit more like that, right? It's it's meant it's meant for that audience of people that um, are more interested in kind of learning the game while they're playing every week. It does have more of a linear sort of feel to it, like mm-hmm. you show up like week in and week out and play, but you can drop out a week or, or come back a, a little bit later on. And most of the uh, play experiences are focused on like levels one to four, like the the the, the apprentice tier of play, really. Cool. Well, so then, how does expeditions fit into that? Like, is that the next step, or is that what, what's the difference between encounters? Yeah, and expeditions? It, it it can be looked at as a next step, uh, especially if you kind of cut your teeth on something like the starter set adventure or D and D encounters. D and D expeditions is basically um, the way I like to the analog I like to use. It's basically uh, like when you watch Star Trek: The Next Generation, and you watch like Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, like later on, like you know, like later seasons, you know after they kind of figure out they weren't next generation. <laughs> um, and the the analogy is that, you know, when you watch a program like Star Trek Next Generation, right, you're watching um, them show up at a planet and they have an episode and, they, and, and they, you know, there's a problem and they solve the problem and the episode's done, right? And there's some subplot stuff that goes on too, but the big, the big thing is that, you know, you sit down and you watch it and you're done, right? And that's it. A to B, done. Um, with something like Deep Space Nine, which is more like a home campaign, or like what D&D Encounters brings, it's more of a linear thing where it's building off of each episode, right? So you kind of have to watch the other episodes to really get invested in it, right? And the same thing is kind of true with D&D Expeditions in that um, D&D Expeditions is more like the next generation sort of model where it's sort of like, hey, I can show up and I can get a complete adventure experience in one session. And so all of our co- content for D&D Expeditions um, is uh, created by our admins and by our adventure designers, and that content is specifically geared towards those one-session adventures. Um, they're perfect for uh, conventions. They're also great for stores on the weekends, especially. They take about three to four hours each mm-hmm. uh, in general. Uh, some of them are like double length, but for the most part, most of them are in that length. And they're just great if you just want to show up at one location, play your character, and then go to a different location and play a character, you know, play that same character somewhere else. Yeah. And just because they're their own little contained things, they're still connected, like, story-wise, right? When you go from Absolutely. one adventure to the next, you'll, you'll find some familiarities between the two of them. Right. So, for example, let's use Tyranny of Dragons, right? So we have Tyranny of Dragons. Tyranny of Dragons is this awesome, you know, story about uh, the cult of the dragon uh, trying to bring back Tiamat to the realms. Um, and... In the main storyline, which happens in Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat, right, you kind of play through the events as they happen in the Sword Coast, right? So you, what you're doing is you're seeing, okay, the Cult of Dragon is, you know, trying to assemble the dragon masks, and they are going to bring Tiamat back, right? Well, in the D&D Expeditions uh, adventures that, that are written, um, those adventures also have a draconic theme to them. They have Cult of the Dragon in them. The Cult of the Dragon is mucking around in the Moon Sea, <laughs> right? And they're trying to do whatever they're trying to do over there, right? Which also involves, of course, you know, you know, uh, um, bringing basically draconic tyranny to that area of the world, right? So you're going to still see those same themes present. You're going to see connections with the main storyline all the time um, while still providing you with different story elements, right? So it's not, you're, we're not just aping the main storyline. What we're doing is we're taking that and expanding it. If you think about it as like sort of an expanded universe, that's what the expanded universe is. Which is cool. That's another way just to fully immerse yourself Right. In the whole story. You want more? Here's more, right? Yeah. You know, you want more than just Horde of Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat? Awesome. We have more for you, right? And so stores can can get these adventures, D&D yeah. expeditions, and they can run them anytime. And so if you have a local store near you that you want to, to see 
host some of these adventures, let them know. Yeah, please. Just let them know to, to schedule D&D expeditions. Very easy. Very easy for them to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, they can. It's like Shelly said, they're, it's totally flexible. D&D expeditions can be scheduled at any time. Um, it's for a little bit more of our advanced stores because mm-hmm. they tend, like Trevor was saying before, to be uh, for players that uh, want a little bit uh, deeper experience with the game, uh, tend to be for a little bit more experienced players. But we still have content that starts your character at level one. So if that's the kind of experience you really want, right, you could start with that, right? Yeah, like my my first foray into uh, expeditions was those those one the one hours. And right. Something, they might go a little bit longer, but they're basically one hour like, kind of little one shot things where there's one kind of big encounter. There might be some awesome role play, um, but it's it's all it's, it's all inclusive story that, that's going on there. Those those are pretty cool. Is that right. level one? Yeah, those there were there were several of them. They were they were. I mean, you could be multiple levels. You could be level two, whatever. I actually leveled out of them. I think when I hit level three, I leveled out of being able to to right. play, play the ones that are out there right now. I mean, they, they could technically make them for whatever level, but yeah, the ones that are out there right now are for level one. Is right. that a we, good intro? Yeah, we have a really good intro. Um, it's called Defiance in Falan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first adventure in um, the Tyranny of Dragons season of D and D expeditions. So um, that's a really great one to start with. It has it consists of five. It's a it's one adventure that really is five mini adventures, and they all are like one hour a piece, maybe an hour and a half, depending on how long your group wants to play. But they don't take very long. Uh, they're a great introduction. Um, you can play those, and then uh, once your character kind of levels up a little bit more, you can go into any of the other adventures that are released. Right now, uh, we have six adventures that are out. Uh, in November, we'll be adding two more. Uh, in December, we'll be adding two more. So, um, you know, we're going to have a lot of content. By the time uh, we're through with the Tyranny of Dragon season, we will have released uh, 14 D&D Expeditions adventures just for that season. Wow, that's amazing. So, yeah. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it, so if someone wants to go find out, like, what there is to do in expeditions. Like, let's say, you know what, I'm interested in this. I'm interested in trying to get my sort of do this. Where do they go on our website? Is there someplace specifically they can go check out the different offerings that are, that are for expeditions? Yes. Uh, so there's a couple of places you can go. Uh, the first is that um, on the main website, the dnd.wizards.com or dungeonsanddragons.com, uh, at the top, you're going to see a nav, and there's going to be a D&D Adventures League uh, drop down there. You can just go ahead and click on that. And you'll see a whole bunch of options like player info and resources and all kinds of good stuff there, right? So you can kind of find whatever you need there. You can get an introduction to the factions there. You mm-hmm. can uh, you can find out about uh, our play opportunities, find out about our different programs. You can find out about what player resources there are. And then um, our administrators have set up a, a sort of a sister site. It's really great for organizers. And it's called uh, dndadventuresleague.org, um, just like just like it sounds. And um, that site is an organizer-focused site that um, has uh, a listing of all the current adventures when they're going to when they're going to be released. It has organizer uh, information. So if you're an organizer and you want to know what you can get and when you can get it, uh, that information is there for you. And if you are an organizer, right, and you do find you know some adventures that you'd like to run for your community, um, there's basically two ways you can go about getting the adventures. If you're associated with a store, um, you simply schedule the event, and then you'll receive an email from us. Um, right after you get done scheduling, right before the uh, scheduling uh, window closes, uh, that will tell you, hey, here's a link to the uh, adventure repository, and here's a password to get in. And if you're not associated with a store, you can request that directly through our game support team. So you can fill out a form uh, right on our website. Um, if you go and search through our knowledge base, um, and you just type in like uh, D&D Adventures League or D&D Event Support, you'll find it'll pop up on the top. And you just fill out that form, and then within 48 hours, they'll get back to you and, and they just may, may, may ask you a question or two about your event. 
but then they'll give you the same information and access that they give the store. So you mentioned resources, and if you could just touch on, because I know that you worked crazy long hours trying to get that player's guide oh, up yeah, and ready. So what, what are some of the resources <laughs> that, that players have? So, uh, the, yeah, the player's guide is probably the main, the main thing. It's sort of like, I, I would consider the player's guide sort of the comprehensive rules for uh, D&D Adventures League play. Um, in the same way that, you know, like any other comprehensive rules document would be created for an organized play program. So uh, it's, you know, in 20 some pages long, um, it covers, um, it covers pretty much everything. What it starts out with is talking about character creation and how that's like how that's different for D&D Adventures League. So a couple highlights are, for example, you don't roll for ability scores in uh, D&D Adventures League play. Everybody either uses uh, the standard array, which is, you know, 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, 8. Or they wind up uh, just using a point-by system, which is all in the beginning of the player's handbook there. Um, uh, and it covers, you know, other sort of uh, changes that would be made for organized play specifically. Um, so there's things like, you know, hey, you know, how does the Acolyte background work when you're in uh, Falan, which is the setting of the Tyranny of Dragons organized play stuff, right? So... You know, the Acolyte background says you get a discount on spellcasting when you're at a temple, right? Well, it tells you, oh, here's the temple that does give you the discount if, you, if you're a member of that clergy, that kind of thing. Um, so those kinds of things are covered in part one. In part two of that guide, we talk about dungeon mastering and we talk about organizing. So, and we also talk a little bit about the setting. So we talk about both the Sword Coast and we talk about the Moon Sea a little bit and just kind of give players sort of an idea of, well, hey, we're have you know we're having uh, to adventure uh, through the Tyranny of Dragons storyline. What can we expect to see if we go to the Sword Coast or if we go to the Moon Sea? So that information is all expressed in the second part, and then the third part of the the um, document contains a lot of resources, contains a bunch of links for you, including all the community groups that have sprung up, and there are tons of them now, all over the place on Facebook and Google Plus and Twitter and everywhere else. Right, you can find you know, all these communities of D&D Ventures League uh, players springing up everywhere. It has links to a lot of those. Uh, it has uh, links to all of our official stuff. Um, and it has um, some more information, like, on the factions and, and such. So Cool. That was a lot of work. Sorry. Like, another great resource is yep. whatever. Uh, so, sorry, I probably stepped on your No, we're going to go No, ahead. he's going to continue we, with we, we another know we're great gonna resource. Let, let me know when you're ready. Right, we're rolling out. All right. Well, another great resource we have, too, is also there's a quick start uh, rules guide. And it's so if you're intimidated by the, you know, huge document that is the player's guide, which is comprehensive, it's meant to be that way. Um, you There's a one-page document that was created that's just like, here's how to create a character for D&D Ventures League, and here's some resources. And that's it, right? Um, so there's those resources that are available to you as a player. As I mentioned before, community sites right, can help you out with answers to questions. Um, if you want to talk about like D&D rules in particular, like 5th edition rules that don't pertain to organized play, well, we have a whole diff different channel for that. We have our game support team that can answer rules questions, and uh, we have you know, other ways that you can contact us through our official channels. So. You are very verbose like when it comes I to writing, be. but also like you're... <laughs> He wrote this entire player's guide. You mean that in a good way, buddy, not a bad way. Don't no, it's worry. a great Don't way. Oh, yeah. It's a great way. And you always have you always have a lot to to say and write about when I ask you constantly to write things well, about D&D organized play. I love it. It's I've been doing help. it for a long time. I've been involved in organized play since the early 90s, so some capacity or another. So speaking of loving it, let's talk about the other, uh, the, the, the third pillar of 
Oh, yeah. Of the D&D Adventurers League, D&D Epics. Sure. So right. we have this really kind of unique experience for large, large shows. And it's called D&D Epics. They're an adventure that usually is something that's like a multi-table interactive experience uh, where all the tables that are participating in the adventure at the same time are impacting other tables and impacting like a greater storyline decision that happens uh, during the adventure. So at Gen Con, we debuted our D&D Epics with uh, Corruption and Crypt Garden, uh, which was about three and a half hours long. And we brought together about 700 participants for this event. Uh, it was the largest uh, single shared D&D adventure I think that's ever been run. Um, and it was incredibly impressive. I was impressed by the way it was organized and the way it ran. I got to participate in it as a dungeon master. We had 570-some players. We had almost 100 dungeon masters, and we had uh, in the 20s in volunteers just helping out to make sure the event staff and, and what have you, to make sure the event actually went smoothly. And you got to play in it, Trevor, right? I did. I mean, I actually got to play because you were doing a lot of the work at the convention. <laughs> so I actually got to play a lot this year. But yeah, the Epic, uh, Chris oh, wait a was awesome and got a few of us into the Epic. Uh, I sat at the table with uh, Saladin and uh, uh, Rodney and That's a couple right. friends of ours. And that was... Uh, I almost killed your character with wolves. It was all... Yeah. Yeah, my character probably. I don't remember. I, I remember. I, I, I believe you. It was, it was crazy. Look at them all proud over there. I remember. I had my, my, my epic scene came in the next chunk. So that's the part I remember. Right when, right. I, when I went up and talked to people a lot. Right, right. I remember so that, that was too. Good time so for me. No, but that was, it was crazy. It's, uh, and I, I've done interactives before, uh, the ones that we've had at Winter Fantasy. Um, and those are cool. But this one had more role play and more things like that in it, which I thought was great. Uh, but like, it was it was awesome watching. So you're sitting there playing, right? And then like they come up and they announce like the green flag has been waved, and that means that there's a there's people playing there that have made a different choice than your table has made. They're they're gone off and they're doing something else. They're trying to like rally support from these other people while you're trying to like beat back some guys, right? Totally different adventure for them, basically. And right. the thing they do affects everybody. So if they fail or succeed, depending on how many of the tables doing the same thing. Uh, it, like, gives everybody a buff or, or kind of, like, makes some things harder. Um, but it's all within the story. So, like, oh, look, so these people fail to do this. That means the dragon's awake. And then you go, holy crap. Uh, and, and there's stuff that happens from that. And that's just an awesome, awesome feeling to be, like, there's stuff that's just out of your control, uh, which is a weird thing to get used to. But really what it is is there's this huge story, and other people are telling different parts of the story. And that's yeah. just awesome. It's right. Like, and you get to like see the real. results. I mean, it's yeah. like, when, I, love it, I love it when your fantasy becomes... Real, yeah. <laughs> right, right. It's but it if feels you really like... were fighting this enormous battle with yeah. all of these other right. factions helping you and all these other adventurers out there, then yeah. things that they do would impact your game, right? And and for those of you that are wondering out there, you know, like I want to hear about like what this was really about. We're gonna post some summaries and some uh, information about the epic. Um, in October, so you'll see some uh, like a summary wrap up yeah. of what happened in that D and D epics cool. experience, including the person that uh, got the green dragon mask, which was really cool. Yeah. So we'll have oh, yeah. all that information yeah. for you, so you can kind of get a chance to at least live vicariously through it. And uh, then next year, you know, when we do our next storyline, you know, we'll have an, we'll have another epic adventure, and we'll we'll run it at some of the big shows. So my I've never seen anything like that played um and next to seeing the faction banners mm -hmm. this was my second maybe it's probably tied for my first favorite moment of gen con i just remember walking into hall d when it was going on and the only way that i can equate to what i was seeing is like it, it equating it to the new york stock, stock exchange when people are like frantically running around with papers and <laughs> right. um there were people the volunteers were running up to the headquarters desk and they were like 
the orcs are down in table 23. And then the next person would come up, right. table 14 has killed a dragon. And like the people at the headquarters table are like frantically taking notes and writing things on a whiteboard and then making a big announcement. And then that would affect the whole game. And I remember I walked over to your table right when a dragon or blue oh, dragon or a green yeah, dragon. Yeah, the green dragon showed the up. green dragon mm-hmm. showed up and it was the whole table was like, no. See, I said that right. You did. That say was the, actually really good. No, I'm not going to try it. Now that, now that you're thinking nope, about it. I can't it. do it. We, we were talking over you. Clagilamatar. So oh, see, I'm talking over you again. Like, pause. Clagilamatar. There we go. See, dragon names are crazy. They are crazy, especially in the realms. Well, and dragons are crazy. So yeah. that would make sense. But, but, but oh, the, it was so cool because the dragon doesn't come to every table. No, it eventually makes its way to a lot of tables, yeah. but not every table. Yeah. The, the thing that is the most impressive thing, I guess, to get people to visualize this a little bit better, right, is you walk in through the, the castle area, right, which is our D&D play area at Gen Con. And uh, what you're seeing is you're seeing a sea of tables, right? And all of these tables, you know that during the week, right? They're, you know, while they're at Gen Con, you know, they're filled with people playing D&D. But the thing that really actually brings it home is these people aren't just playing D&D at their tables. They're all playing in the same D&D venture at the same time and impacting other tables. Right. And that's something to take, like, you see a hundred tables there or almost a hundred tables and that's what's going on. That's pretty crazy, right? And that's uh, that's a huge adventure. And they were playing for their factions. Right. That's, and the other oh, thing yeah. that was cool totally is true. that people were showing up in their faction colors. They were showing yeah. up their faction gear on. Which that was very cool. I heard people saying, I had to go buy a red t-shirt. Right, <laughs> right. There, there, were, there were a lot of people that were representing their factions. Each faction had their own goals, too. Yeah. And each faction basically uh, got assessed on how well they completed their own goals. And at the end of the adventure, one faction was basically named the faction champion, mm-hmm. the, the faction that basically performed the best and was considered to be the faction with the most success uh, during the event. Uh, at Gen Con, that was the Centaurum. Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> Trevor's happy. <laughs> Is that your faction? Oh, yeah. That's well, I, yeah, again, I did something really cool in our game. But yeah, it's uh, it sounded like people on the other tables, were, like everybody did a great job. So there's the Harpers, the Centaurum, uh, the Emerald Enclave, the uh, Order of the Gauntlet. Order, Order of the Gauntlet, and Lords I always Alliance. forget Lords, Lords Alliance. Alliance. Um, and Rodney everybody did awesomely. Like it was just like we all have our own little things that we're trying to do, and and, and like so you're at a table with a whole bunch of different people who have different guilds, and they're trying to do different kind of different things. None of us are really at odds with each other, for the most part. Um, but it's it's interesting to see how that actually affected yeah. the yeah. play at the table. The, the the big thing to keep in mind too about the factions and how they interact with each other is. All the characters are adventurers. There's always a problem, a challenge for all of the adventurers to solve together, right. right? But what the factions really represent is they all have sort of different means by which they accomplish, you know, solving that challenge, right? So while the Centaurum and the Harpers don't really see eye to eye all the time, they can come together to both say, hey, Tiamat's bad, yeah. and we need to do something about it, right? And so when you're playing at a table with uh, characters from other factions, it's not that you're enemies necessarily. You may not love each other or like each other that much, but you realize you have to work together on this mission. Right. We've come full circle. We've started the podcast off with uh, uh, factions, and we've gotten near the end of the podcast with factions. Kind so. of. It's true. Like how we almost Almost like we intended. <laughs> Also, so, the factions are just so important, I think, to yeah. uh, to the D&D play experience with Adventures League stuff. Right. We could have another podcast where we just talk yeah, about them. Yeah, we could just talk about, about factions. So. But we, we, we will have to have you back because there are Ooh. so many other things that we have to talk about with organized play. There are. But I know we all have to go back to work. Yeah. yeah. Um, or continue your drive, whatever you happen to be doing. We have to go back to work. So, but if just to conclude, uh, this will be a difficult question for you. It might even make you cry again. 
If you had to choose three things that you're most excited about with the Adventurers League, what would you say? Uh, The first thing I would say is uh, the ability to take your character anywhere. We're delivering on that promise as much as we possibly can, right? So that's definitely uh, one of the big things. The second thing is the factions and the ability for them to persist from storyline to storyline. And the third thing is the the close-knit, sort of tie-in with the storyline seasons that we do. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can always just sort of jump in and uh, and participate in this season story or there, the, right around the corner there's another story for you, right? So it gives you opportunity to kind of create new characters or have new experiences with your existing character. So that keeps the game fresh and moving along. That was easy. Yeah, I know. You handled that like a pro. It was almost That's like because you. I've been thinking about it like forever. I mean, like one of my favorite things like, oh, like I can give you five things or ten things, right? But, you know, those are probably my top three. All right. We'll save the rest of them for the next time we chat with you. Sounds great, guys. Well, thank you, Chris, for joining us. This has been great. Thanks for having me. And then thank all of you out there for joining us as well. Uh, We will see you next time.